Philippians there for a little bit. We'll be looking at several different passages of Scripture as I uh, challenge you maybe a little bit tonight for um, preparations for the new year. It's a good time for assessment as we close out the old and open the new. And this is a particularly good time because we're, uh, at, we're finishing up the second decade of the 21st century. It just seems like a short time ago that we were looking at the change of millenniums. And now here it is 20 years in uh, to that. Time flies when you're having a good time. And so uh, uh, we're glad to be able to take this time to assess what uh, the Lord has been doing and what he will be doing and we want to challenge you to be more involved in that uh, as the year progresses. Paul uh, framed his his um, calling and his objective, his goals in the words that we have there. He called it a mark. He said, I press forward. I said, I'm going to forget that which is behind, the failures, the successes. I'm not going to live on the laurels. I'm not going to rest on what's already been, uh, ha- what's already happened, but I'm going to look forward and set a mark and head for that mark. And so that's what Paul's talking about by the the mark that he mentioned there in the passage that we read in the third of in the third chapter of Philippians. So so that mark is there for for him and he says that mark is the prize. That's the goal. That's the objective. That's what I'm looking forward to. That's what I'm focusing on. And then he followed that up by giving us a mark too. He Gave that mark to us. He said it on further down. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an ensample. So he wanted us to set marks too, to set goals, to have an objective that we're uh, following and, and moving forward on. So we call them goals or objectives. We call them uh, by different names. He used the term mark there as a point at which we could move forward in, in our focus and and be heading in the right direction. It's good to follow, but it's more important to follow the right ones, to follow in the right direction. Uh, like I was talking about this morning, the sheep that followed one another over the cliff were not following the right leader. And it's good to follow, but it's right to follow the uh, one who's going the right direction. So Paul said to them in the church there at Philippi, he said, look, he said, I want you to set as your objective. I've got an objective there. I'm, my mark is the prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I'm moving in that direction. And others are moving in the direction, that direction with me who have been with you, who have preached to you, who have uh, given their life to you. He said, I want you to follow them, follow us in the same way. Mark us, put a mark there, set that as a goal, as an objective to follow those who are following Christ. And so it's a good one. And in that context, he said, I want you to be of the same mind. That's an objective for us to set. To be of the same mind, he said, and to be uh, of, the, of the same, to, uh, to, to mind the same thing, to, uh, to uh, walk by the same rule. And so he said for us to, uh, to set as objectives the parameters by which we're going to live. And so he gave us uh, those things as a challenge. He said uh, the same rule and the same thing and the way we're going to do that is by, you know, all following the same book. So that's a challenge as we have uh, set before us for Paul in the uh, walking in the good and godly ways, following the good and godly examples that we have before us. We have those among our peers. We have those among our fellows uh, here in this congregation of believers. But we also have those that have now gone on before us and 
are in the presence of the Lord. We have those as well to look to, those that have lived their lives well and have left a legacy behind that we can follow. And I thank God for those kinds of marks that He gives us the opportunity to put before us. Now, there are good motivations, there are good motives to having goals as you head for the new year, uh, goals in your family. Those are good and important, and there's good motivations to, to, in the Bible to have those goals. I hope that one of your uh, goals is to be more uh, consistent in loving and leading your kids if you're a father or a mother. I hope that's one of your goals for the new year. I want to be more consistent in loving and leading my children in the way which is right because we have it right there. Paul said you got to follow those that are, that are uh, minding the right rules and, and following the right walk. So that implies that the children that we have, the, those that we influence, need to have somebody to follow. And so parents, I hope that that's one of your objectives, grandparents. Uh, we have an influence on our grandchildren, and it's important for us to set that kind of a goal. I want God to help me be more loving, more consistent with my example than uh, I have been in the past. I want the Lord to help me to do better at that in regard to my extended family. And so uh, we, we want to do that. As, as a goal, uh, another thing that we ought to have, we, we as uh, uh, husbands and wives ought to say, in 2020, I want to be more like the kind of husband that is, tip, uh, that is pictured in the Scriptures. I want to be more like uh, the kind of husband that Ephesians chapter 5 tells me I should be. Uh, and wives, that ought to be a goal of yours to say, I want to be more like the wife of the scripture, the wife that, is given, uh, that I'm given the example of in Ephesians. Uh, I want to be more like the, the wife that God wants me to be. I want to be pleasing to him. That's a good family objective, the, the, uh, the leadership that we have of our children, grandchildren, the relationship that we have with husband and wife. Those are important things for 2020. I want you to be thinking about that as you enter 2020 and be thinking, you know, I'm going to assess my, my 2019. I'm going to look at what kind of a husband I was, what kind of a wife I was. I'm going to look back there. I'm going to see, you know, the things that I really don't want to think about look at too much. And I'm going to say, Lord, help me to not have as many of those uh, things that I regret in 2020 as I did in 2019. Help me to temper my, uh, my, my responses, help me to be more patient, help me to be more kind, help me to choose my words more carefully, help me to think more before I speak. And those types of things are important for us to be thinking about as we set forth some goals that uh, have to do with our family in uh, 2020. And then there's other areas in our life that we all have. We, there's good motivations to set goals in relationship to our business or our work. All of you have, you're either business people or you own a business or you work for a company uh, and that. And so you all, we all have some means of making a living. And so in that area, it's good to have some goals as well. Would you think about that as you head for 2020? Would you think about some goals in your, your work, where you're working? You may be working someplace you've been a long time or you may just have started somewhere. Uh, and looking forward to moving in a different direction, moving up, moving on. I don't know uh, your particular situation, the details of it, but all of us have uh, some things that uh, we could think about in relationship to our, our work. Uh, and among those things would be for us to, to be thinking, all right, uh, I, I, need to be, uh, I need to be setting a goal, being more diligent 
am more diligent in my work, in my business, in my labors, in, in who I work for, uh, to be more like what the Bible gives for an example of diligence. And certainly the scriptures replete on the subject of diligence and tells us that uh, the position of the sluggard or the slothful one is certainly not one that we want to have as an objective. Uh, there are those that seem to have an, as an objective. I'm not uh, uh, referring to anyone in here. I don't think anyone in here has this as an objective. But there are those that have an objective. I want to do as little work as possible and, and still get paid for it. You know, That's not a good objective. That's not a good goal uh, to have for the year ahead. And so I want to encourage you to be thinking along the lines of not figuring out how I can do less work, but figuring out how I can be more diligent and faithful in the task that God has given me. I'll, I'll let you know that if you haven't, young people, if you haven't understood this concept yet, that if you'll work hard, you'll soon rise above the average. You'll soon rise above. You don't have to be super intelligent. You don't have to have great skills. Uh, if you have diligence, if you are diligent and stay at it and stay after it, you will rise above uh, the norm and you will rise above the, the uh, end of the crowd. You will succeed. It may not be as quickly as you'd like it to be. It may not be in the fashion you thought it would be, but you will be blessed because God simply blesses diligence and faithfulness. So be a hard worker. Set that as a goal if you're a businessman. Uh, set that as one of your objectives in your, in your business. And not just to, to work for the sake of work and to work for the sake of making money, but your objective in that is to, uh, is to save and to provide for your family and to have that which you may be, be able to bless others with, to have more to give uh, to the uh, things of the Lord, to missionaries, to have that to give to others in need when you see a need. Wonderful to be able to meet that need because you've been diligent and you have uh, been blessed with more than you need to, to live on. That's what we're talking about there when we say it's good to have some objectives, some goals in, in the area of our life that we would call our business or our work. And then we think of the goals that, you know, often come to mind when we're starting a new year. We think of our health goals and, uh, you know, it may be, you know, we need to... Uh, exercise more it may need uh, maybe well it is for just about all americans we probably need to eat a little bit less than we did last year and maybe that's a goal maybe that's an objective uh, for us as far as our health is concerned that's all right those are good goals those are um, uh, noble ones because we know that the scripture's clear our body is a temple of the holy ghost and we understand that we you know are somewhat limited in what we can do to serve the lord if physically we are uh, in, you know, we we're, we're busted up if we fall off ladders and that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, it it uh, does slow us down a bit when we do that. So one of our, uh, among our goals, maybe things that are related to our health, things that are related to us being able to carry on the work that God has given us to do. And so that's a good goal too. But there's some goals in your spiritual life as well, of course, that are more important than any of these other material goals I've been talking about. There are some goals in your spiritual life, in your service life, that are above all these other things. So, first of all, I want to look at our personal goals, our personal spiritual goals. I hope that you'll be thinking about some of them. One of the ones that you need to set again this year is to read your Bible through this year. 
you know, if you're really, if you're really after it, you, you know you can read your Bible. You've heard of new converts. I've mentioned some this morning that have been able to read the Bible all the way through in two or three weeks. And you may be thinking, well, they're probably them sloth that didn't have no job and they just sit around the house all day anyway. So, you know, but, but uh, if they read the Bible through, they'll, they'll change. That'll be different from, from then on. And maybe you, you know, aren't going to be able to read the Bible through in two or three weeks. But uh, none, of us, none of us has any reason why we can't read the Bible through in a year. Uh, we, we can do that. If you'll read three and four chapters a day, you can get the, through the Bible in a, in a year. So uh, there's that, it's, a simple, it's a simple objective, but such an important one. And as year after year goes by, as you've read your Bible through year after year, you don't even feel it, you don't even maybe know it, but you're getting more and more and more and more familiar with truths that are there that become part of your life, you know. So it's so important for you to have that as an objective, as a goal. The scripture makes it clear that we are to be students of the word, but that we are to be readers of the word. The scripture says, take out the scripture and read. And so we're, we're to do that. The kings that were coming to reign in Israel were told this, first thing that they were to do. We're told you want you are to handwrite out a copy of the entire Bible that was that they had at that time. You're to handwrite it out, and you're to use that as your reference to, to reign by. So uh, the to to uh, for a king to reign properly, he needed to have a, a daily dose of the scriptures. And in their case, it was that which was put down on paper by their own hand uh, and their pen and ink, and so. So we are challenged in the, in the um, personal goals that we have for the new year to do that, to read our Bible through. It'll, it'll never be that you master the Bible, but what you want is the Bible to master you. You want to be under the Bible's influence. And so you're going to be better uh, equipped to do that if you'll commit yourself to reading the Bible daily and to read the Bible through in a year. It'll cause you to appreciate what you're blessed with, too, if you read your Bible. If you read your Bible daily, it'll cause you to appreciate what you're blessed with. It'll make you a better person than you are. It'll make us better people if we're people of the book, if we are readers of the book. And so I challenge you, I challenge every one of you to set that forth as among the goals that you're going to be setting. We have a few days between now and the end of the year to think about it. And it's a, great, uh, it's a great opportunity for us in the next few days to say, I'm going to think, think through these things and, and set forth. And I'll, I want to encourage you to write them down. If you don't write them down, you'll, you'll forget about them, you know, but write them down. You have a smartphone now. You can click it in there and make a category, 2020 uh, objective, 2020 marks. And, so, and you can write those down. I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, one of the things that will help you do if you've written it down, it'll stick in your mind better. And secondly, you can refer back to it as the year goes by and make a reference to it every month at the end of every month. How am I doing? Where am I at? Uh, am I behind? Do I need to do some catching up? That kind of thing. So set those goals down. Write them down. I want you to set another goal too. I want to challenge every one of us. Let's try to win. This isn't hard. Let's try to win one person to Christ this year. Win one other soul to Christ this year. And add to that, try to, try to see them get in and get baptized. Wouldn't that be wonderful if uh, our crowd here tonight, I don't know, there's 100 or so here tonight, if every one of us by the end of the year were able to reach one person, uh, one of our kids, one of our grandkids, our neighbor, an acquaintance, a friend, someone that God has put us in, in connection with uh, in our work, wouldn't it be wonderful 
if we were able to see that, uh, that person. Uh, I hope it's many more than that, but uh, uh, if every one of us were able to reach one soul in the course of the year and get them plugged in uh, to church, get them baptized and get them growing, wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to have 200 people in here next year uh, that say, you know, I, I, this person brought me to Christ this year and, and uh, I'm now growing in Jesus. That's a, that's a, uh, if, we don't, if we don't set any goals in that area, we're a lot less likely to even think about that. But it'll get us at least thinking about souls. It'll get us at least more conscious of the fact that all around us are souls that don't know the Lord, you know. And so let me challenge you to win at least one person to Christ to the point where they're not just one and forgotten, but they're one and reached and brought and baptized and growing. Let's take that as, a, as a, one of the goals that we set. If you set it and don't make it, it's better than if you didn't set it at all, you know. But if you set it and do make that objective and God blesses you, with a soul that comes to Christ because of your influence, wouldn't it be a time of rejoicing? So let me challenge you for that. I mean, I'm talking about personal, personal spiritual goals right now. Well, let me add one more to that. Let me encourage you to do this in your goal setting this year. Set a day to fast and pray. I mean, set at least one day this year to fast and pray, to miss all three meals, breakfast, lunch, and supper, to miss all three of your meals and go that full 24-hour time and Break fast the next day. Break your fast the next day. And uh, I know you say, well, I fast every night. After 9 o'clock, I finish my last bag of popcorn, and then I don't uh, get up. I don't, I don't eat anything until 5 o'clock in the morning when I get up for my bowl of Cheerios, you know. Well, that is, you are fasting, and we break fast. It's breakfast, you know. Uh, it's where the name comes from. But I'm talking about an all day where that you substitute in place of your breakfast, your lunch, your supper, you substitute in that place some time to pray and to talk to God about some things that you are on your heart, uh, to talk to God about some needs and some, uh, some uh, desires that you have to reach others or some, to, some uh, burden that's on your heart. Let's uh, just take a time. Would you, do, would you set as an objective at least to do that once next year? And you may, uh, I'd encourage you to think about, as the Lord lays on your heart, to do it more than that. You might do it once a quarter, maybe once per month, uh, uh, I don't know what the Lord will lay on your heart, but uh, give God uh, the opportunity to burden you with that and, and uh, start with it at least once. Just say, Lord, I'm going to do this once and do it early on in the year. You know, do it early on in the year. And, and then as the Lord leads, you may, you may decide to do it again. I have a good close friend that one year in Bible college, he decided that he was going to fast once a week. Uh, and he did. He made it through the whole year, but he said, man, Bill, he said that... <laughs> That day was the hardest day of my week, every week, all through the year. And the devil did everything he could. I got invited out to, to steak dinners. I got, I got all kinds of opportunities to break the fast. He said it was so hard. And, and I was more hungry than normal than I should be because I was just thinking about that. And he said it was tough. It was really, uh, it was really a hard thing to do that. But he had, he had not fasted con regularly before that. And then he said just... He decided that year I'm going to do it once a week, every week for 52 weeks and, and uh, uh, take a day of fasting. So maybe, you know, in retrospect, he would, have, he would have done better if he'd have set a time of fasting where he just said, I'm going to take this day and fast and pray. And then as the Lord led, another time to fast and pray rather than making it a regimen where it became more of a routine than 
uh, a blessing. So I want to challenge you. There will be some diligence involved. There will be some uh, discipline involved in that. But I want to challenge you to make that one of your objective too, to say, I'm going to set aside on my calendar early on in the year a day to fast and pray. And then ask the Lord to give you some things on your heart that uh, would be subjects of prayer. I want to tell you, as Brother Jim pointed out this morning in our Sunday school class, I want to assure you that when you're fasting and praying, the effect of your prayer is, is magnified. Um, the response to your prayer is greater because the Lord is taking into account the seriousness of your commitment there. And it's not, I'm not saying anything out of turn. If you study the scriptures and read what the Bible says about fasting, you'll discover that is the case. That is what God says about uh, our commitments to fasting, you know. Uh, and so uh, let's, let's make that as a, as a uh, prospect for our, for our personal spiritual goals. But then in the area of your service to uh, the local ministry of your church, your congregation are serving together, I want to encourage you to assess this and say, to what degree am I now involved in my, uh, my, uh, my local assembly of believers, my brethren? To what degree am I involved in, in uh, serving in my local church? And I want to challenge you uh, with that. The question is asked, well, why, why should we? Why should we make a commitment or set some goals to be involved in our uh, local church as far as serving the Lord? There's a number of good reasons for that, and I want to just quickly touch on a few and challenge you to uh, be among those that sets forth some new objectives in serving the Lord through your local church. Uh, why should we? Well, number one, because it glorifies God when we serve Him through His church. It's the, it's the purpose of our salvation. Look in the, in the scriptures concerning that. I want you to look to two very common ones and go past that to a third less quoted one, but that would be Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. We quote often Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, but we need to tie it together with verse 10 uh, there especially. I'm saying we're glorifying God by serving in the church uh, and, and recognizing that it is the purpose of my salvation. In verse 8 and 9, he says in Ephesians chapter 2, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now we, in our zeal to emphasize that our salvation is not by works, we may fail to appreciate that we are saved unto good works. And that's what he says in verse 10. He says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So, Connected right together with the fact that we're saved by grace through faith. There's no works in it. Right after that, he says, but we're saved unto good works. And we should walk in them. So the, uh, the fact is there that God tells us that the purpose of our salvation, the reason he leaves us here after he saves us, is that we might find a place uh, within the framework of his design and his plan to serve him. So uh, we have that as one of the objectives we should think about in why we should set some goals to serve the Lord through our church in 2020. The second, uh, the second reason we might give, why should we, is because each of us has been equipped to serve. If you're saved tonight, God has gifted you, the Holy Spirit has gifted you with some things that others, not all of us have all of the things that 
God lists in the gifts, and you can read the gifts in Romans 12 or Ephesians 4 or 1 Corinthians 12. You can read the lists of gifts that are there, and they are given to all of us. We're given the gift to be able to use in the ministry to serve Him. And so we have those uh, tr that truth staring us in the face as we look into the year ahead and say, okay, God has gifted me, He's given me some means through which to serve Him in His church. And the question is, am I serving Him uh, with that gift? Am I uh, letting Him use me in the assembly? Uh, we finished up Christmas and uh, we had the tree there and it was, you know, the presents were piling up under that as we got ready and, and then Christmas Day came. How many of you open your gifts on Christmas Eve instead of Christmas Day? What, what heretics have we? We have some. Uh, yeah, and so, uh, yeah, that's sort of a Norwegian tradition, a German tradition there. Uh, uh, but uh, for those of us that uh, got it right, we open our Christmases, our Christmas gifts on Christmas morn. And, uh, and then we, uh, you know, the, it's uh, by the time the kids, the grandkids uh, show up and we all you know, get together and we all finally get done with the, the opening of gifts and the, and the oohs and the ahs and so forth. Uh, the tree is left barren and no gifts left under it there. All the, tree, all the gifts have been opened and, and have been appropriated. So, so uh, but that, that is, uh, you know, that reminds us too of the gift that each one of you has been given by the Holy Spirit, the gift for service. It isn't doing any good if it remains under the tree wrapped up. It isn't doing any good if it remains in your heart and in your, uh, in your being just wrapped up and not opened up and put to its use. All the gifts that were under our tree went uh, into use, you know. Um, I see Nathan has one of his gifts on here today. I, I meant that. I gave that to Carrie. It was a blouse, but uh, I guess we, <laughs> we, we, mixed, we mixed up the names on that. So, so that's all right. Uh, yeah, I checked the buttons, which way they button there, but uh, it is pretty blouse, and it does make him more attractive, you know, so, so that's all right, I guess. But it didn't do him any good until he opened it up and received it and took it to himself and put it on. The same is true of the gifts that the Holy Spirit has blessed you with. They're, they're just sitting there until you open them up and put them to use. And so what is your gift? Uh, what is it? What are the things that God has, has helped you with and has uh, given you the the ability in or has uh, burdened you with that you could say, I can, I can uh, put this to work in, in the ministry of my church. And what you, what you need to do in relationship to that is say, okay, where are the needs? You know, where are the needs in the church? What, what needs to happen? What things are not getting done that need to get done? What things are getting done less efficiently than they should be done? That's kind of things. Uh, you know, those, those are the things we're talking about. And we're not just talking about, you know, being, being a preacher or a Sunday school teacher or a deacon, uh, we all have opportunity. There's so many opportunities to serve the Lord in the local church, and none is less important than the others. And God makes it clear that even the things that don't aren't showy at all and are just in the background and nobody really knows about, those are really the ones that He favors the most highly and that He gives the most honor to. You know, the less comely parts are given the greater honor. So I wonder uh, if you're uh, holding back maybe from really getting involved in ministry because you're thinking, well, I, I can't teach or I'm not, you know, I'm not good at being up in front of people or I can't sing. Well, there's so many other opportunities that all of us can be involved in so many ways. Uh, uh, there's so many gifts. And 
what we need to do is know what our gifts are and, uh, and then serve through those gifts. So I want to challenge you for that in that way in 2020 coming up ahead. Um, why should we, why should we uh, serve in our local church? Well, serving in the ministry demonstrates the reality of your faith. It really does. James said it. He said it's good to hear things. It's good to know things. It's good to say things that are true. But he said uh, faith without works is dead. So what James is pointing out there is that our faith uh, needs to have an outworking. The scripture says it this way, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And it doesn't mean to try to work it out so that you can figure out how, to, how you can save yourself. It doesn't mean that. Uh, it means to let that which is within you find a way to be worked out of you. And that is service. Work out your own work out from the inside your own salvation with fear and trembling. That is with a reverent, uh, a reverent understanding of the seriousness of serving the Lord with our lives. So uh, that that's another good reason for it. You know, to say something is one thing, but what you do is really what counts. The boys were playing um, chess the other day, Herschel and Charlie, and they were playing a hard-fought match and. And uh, Herschel made a move that was uh, devastating, and he took his hand off it, you know. And Charlie said, checkmate. And Herschel protested. He said, no, I didn't mean to move it there. I didn't mean to move it there. And he began to get tears in his eyes, and he put it back where he wanted it to be. And Charlie said, no, you took your hand off. Uh, it's what you did, not what you said. But he wanted to argue, it's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that I meant to move it here, you know. And... Uh, what he said didn't matter. What he did matters. And so he lost the match. And he went dejected into the wall, as he usually does, and hung his head down. He does this when he's depressed. And he stood depressed for a while, but uh, he got over it eventually. And, so, and he took his loss like a man. But uh, that's uh, sometimes the way we are. We want to say, well, Lord, you know, I meant this and I meant that. But uh, the Lord says, but your actions demonstrate something altogether different. So let me encourage you to recognize the importance of uh, letting, your, uh, you know, letting your faith, letting your salvation, letting your life as a Christian be, uh, be something that has its outworking. Faith has actions. Number four, uh, why? Because the laborers are still few, just like they were in Jesus' day. The harvest is great, he said in Luke chapter 10, but the laborers are few. They're still few. It's still, you know, too too many things to do and not enough doers to do them, you know. And so we have that, uh, we have that uh, impetus. We have that encouragement. Why should we serve in our local church? Because of the influence that we have on our children and our grandchildren. Children emulate what they see a lot more than what they hear. And so uh, ministry, someone said, is something that is more caught than it is taught. So children catch the desire to serve by seeing their parents serving. Uh, children catch the desire to serve by seeing others who they uh, honor, who they respect, who they love. When they see them serving, when they see them involved, children uh, want to do the same thing. They want to be like those they follow. And so it's so important for you and me to understand that our service is not just about us. It's about who is watching us. And so I want to encourage you to think about that as you set some goals for the year ahead because of our influence and because of the, the Great Commission. It's a Great Commission, not to me. 
It's to every one of us. It's not just to, you know, some of us, not just to the teachers or the deacons. It's every one of us is part of the Great Commission. We're part of the call to reach the world for Jesus Christ. And so we got to do that by giving. We got to do it by going. We got to do that by soul winning. We got to do that by keeping tracks in our pocket and being a witness as we go around in our day-to-day life. We have to be involved, all of us, in uh, in reaching others, in reaching out. So, so many ways we can do that. It's because the Great Commission is to all of us. Why should I serve in my church? Number seven, because serving enhances your understanding. It just, you know, your understanding will deepen when you serve the Lord together with us. When we serve the Lord together, our understanding gets deeper. We talked about that back when we were in John chapter 7 of uh, a few months ago, several months back, we read verse 17. It says, if any man will do his will, will do God's will, he shall know of the doctrine. So if you want to know truth more deeply and more fully, serve the Lord with what you do know, and you'll know more. You'll grow deeper. You know, the only ones that really knew what happened at the miracle at Cana when the waters turned to wine, the only ones that knew what happened were the servants. They're the ones that knew what happened. When everybody was tasting the wine, they said, do you know why? They left the best to the last, and how did this happen, and all that. And servants knew. The servants knew. They knew something that other people didn't know because they were in the place of serving. And he said, if any man will do my will, he shall know the doctrine. That's a good motivation for, uh, for being involved in serving through our uh, local church. Number eight, because serving gives us the opportunity to express our love. We said that this morning, our love to the Lord. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So serving the Lord gives us that chance to write a love letter to him in our service. Every time we, you know, even give a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, it doesn't go without its reward. God appreciates that. In other words, he sends you a thank you note. You know, he sends you a thank you note. Sometimes you get a thank you note for a thank you note, and then you don't know, you know, and with the uh, social media, you know, you're going back and forth, and finally you just give a little symbol at the end there, and you think, okay, that's the end of the thing, and then they give a symbol back, and you feel like, okay, i got to answer that one. And so you spend all day back and forth thanking each other for thanking and thanking and that kind of thing. You know, so, uh, but that's what the Lord does when, uh, when, we, when, he, when we serve Him, when we, when we allow ourselves to be used of Him, and when we are involved in service through His, through his design, uh, his local churches, when we're involved that way, he just, he just finds opportunities to reward and bless us over and over again. It's a love letter to the Lord when you serve him in any capacity, in anything you do. If you're coming into church and you pick up a piece of paper off the sidewalk that, uh, you know, just is cluttering up the sidewalk and you put it in the trash can, that doesn't go without reward, you know. It's amazing that the Lord rewards you for everything that, uh, you know, that you do in uh, just wanting to honor him, honor his house and make things better for somebody else, whatever it might be. That's what I'm talking about. And I want you to consider these reasons as you're thinking about what should be some of my objectives, my goals, my, uh, my marks to set as I look forward to 2020 and serving him in my local church. Another uh, good reason, number nine, and I'm almost done, is because of the camaraderie that we get when we serve together. I, I like to read uh, accounts of the Second World War. And uh, one of the things that I noticed said over and over again that these guys, as they're interviewed in the, in the latter years of their lives, they all still have close connections with, their, uh, with the squad that they were part of, you know. The, the ones that survived and made it through, they're all very close. 
to the end of life. They're all very, very close. They're a, they're a band of, of men, you know. And um, they talk about that camaraderie. And they, it's amazing that, you know, they come from all kinds of different backgrounds and all kinds of different uh, experiences. And uh, yet when they come together under fire in the foxholes and when they come together uh, with lives on the line, it is that closeness and camaraderie that welds them together as they, as they serve their country. And so it is with serving the Lord in His army. As we serve the Lord together, it welds us together as well. I have friendships that go back to my Bible college days when uh, my buddies and I would serve the Lord. We would go out together and, and preach at the senior homes and we would go out on the street uh, evangelism and giving out tracts and such like that. And then they all went their various ways into various ministries around the country and we're still close. We still stay in contact and and I just talked to an old buddy of mine, uh, Ron Ratliff, here a couple of days ago, and uh, and uh, looking forward to getting together with him in February. He's pastor for years out in Minnesota, and, and that, and, and uh, yet there's a closeness there. There's a fellowship there that began when we began serving the Lord together as we trained in ministry all those years ago. And so that's what I'm talking about: the camaraderie that we have by serving together. Paul mentioned this when he's going through. Uh, Romans 16, he kept talking about different people and naming different people that he appreciated that served alongside with him. And, uh, you know, he talked about women and men that uh, had been a blessing to him and had served in the various ministries in the churches and some that had just been involved in, you know, the care, physical care of the preachers as they came through, all those kinds of things. Paul was so appreciative of all that and there was a closeness there that he expressed in, in uh his love for them in, uh, in Romans 16 that uh, was because of that connection they'd made because they served together. They were serving together. And so lastly, the uh, answer to the question of why should I, you know, think about setting some goals of serving my Lord through uh, the church is because we're, we're all um, going to stand before that uh, judgment of fire that the Lord puts our works through and our works will be tried one day. And that which we have done in serving the Lord has, is going to go through the trial of fire. That's which we've done to magnify and glorify Him. And because of our love for Him, we'll come out as gold, silver, and precious stones. That which we've done for our own advancement and our own uh, self-aggrandizement and, and our own um, you know, glorification or our own benefit. And uh, that which we've done selfishly, that's going to be wood, hay, and stubble going to be burned up. But it's all going to be tried. And because we know that, uh, it ought to motivate us to say, I want to set some goals for serving the Lord in the year ahead that uh, would uh, give me more opportunities. So 2020 has all kinds of opportunities, and uh, what the Lord waits us to do is present ourselves as vessels to be used by Him, to pre pre uh, present ourselves fit to be served, uh, in His service. And I want to challenge you to do that Open the present that the Holy Spirit has given you and put it to use. Let's stand together.